0: Welcome back to One Day Closer with Mark and Dave. We are talking about the Harbingers. We are up to number six. We have uh, just talked about the fallen bricks and the towers and the gosset stone and how all those things happened in ancient Israel. And they also happened after 9-11 here in America. So now we're going to talk about a couple trees. And this is where it really gets to be uh, really interesting. God was saying something then, and God is saying something now. So, in ancient Israel, when the Assyrians breached the wall, caused all the bricks to fall down, all the terrorists run in, and they destroy Israel, next thing they did is they cut down the sycamore trees, because the sycamore trees were a symbol of strength and power and might in a country. And the Assyrians ran in there, and they cut them all down. And the prophecy said again... Let me give it to you. Oh, Where would it go there? The prophecy is, The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with huge stone. The sycamores have been cut down. That's referring to when the Assyrians went into Israel and cut down the sycamore trees. Okay, so how does that relate to America? Well, let's uh, do a flashback to 1900. A tree is planted in New York City, a magnificent tree. It grows, looks beautiful, so much so that in the 1970s when they decided to build the World Trade Center towers, they spared the tree from being cut down for construction and they kind of just made it part of the landscape there around the towers. It grows to be a hundred years old. So that by the year 2001, when the Twin Towers fell, it cut down that tree. Now guess what kind of tree that was. Yes, I can hear you say it now. It's a sycamore tree. Or it was the same kind of tree that's in the prophecy. Now an interesting little aside is that also right next to the tree there was a 200 year old church called the uh, St. Paul's Chapel. And if you remember the destruction from that day, all those images that you saw on TV, the dust, people walking around looking like ghosts because of all that dust. The paper was flying around, it seems, for days. The steel beams, the concrete everywhere, just a total mess. And if you remember when the cameras would scan around to the other buildings, those buildings were usually damaged and some were even destroyed as well because of all the steel beams just falling out of the sky, right? Well, that little church I was telling you about, St. Paul's Chapel, it, it was right across the street from the World Trade Center. And that tree, that sycamore tree, was between the church and the World Trade Center. And when the World Trade Center came down, it cut down the sycamore tree, but it also protected the church. So much so that not a single window was even broken on the church. It's a miraculous story. Now, if it were me and I was in that church, I'd be giving glory to God because that is just miraculous. It's a miracle story. But that's not what the church did. The church gave credit to the tree. Not God, the tree. They placed a plaque in front of the church talking about the miracle, about how the church was spared, but God is not even mentioned on the plaque. They, they took the stump from the tree that was left and they put it up on a pedestal. You know, maybe just kind of uh, to give it a little bit more attention, but also it kind of looks like an altar like it was something to worship. And if you think I'm reaching by making that conclusion, consider this. There was an artist who came to the uh, site where the tree had fallen and they dug up the earth All around the roots of that sycamore tree. They dug up the roots, they made molds from the roots, and from the molds they made a bronze statue. And then they painted it red. You can go down to Ground Zero area today and you can see the sycamore tree roots that are now a bronze sculpture. So you got the plaque that gives no mention to God, you got the stump that's lifted up, you got a bronze sculpture that'll last forever. And it sure seems to me like they're worshipping the creation instead of the creator, like it says in Romans 1. Maybe it's a far-fetch, but I did find that interesting. It kind of makes me question the faith and the purpose of some of our churches, doesn't it? Well, anyway, uh, back to the harbingers. So, uh, after the sycamore tree was cut down, the uh, city and the state officials, they wanted to replace the sycamore tree, but not... With another sycamore. Well, what does the prophecy talk about? The prophecy talks about another kind of tree called an Ares tree. Now, eres is actually a Hebrew word. And it's we, weird how that works. And we planted the same kind of tree.
1: That's the, the eres tree the is eres. also known as a cedar tree. Yes. Right? And I'm not a... Uh, a biologist? Yeah, I'm not that either. Uh, but it's a sister to the sycamore. And in Hebrew, uh, Ezra's uh, means conifer. Conifer. Which now all of a sudden means something to us over here. Right. Because we don't have a sycamore tree in America. Or an Erez tree. Right, or an Erez tree, right? right? Those are primarily from the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Africa, where you can find those trees. Yeah, dry climates. Si- yeah, but the sister of those... Um, Um, would be cedar or conifer trees for for us.
0: Right. Now, out of all of the tree species that they could have planted to replace the fallen sycamore tree, they just happened to pick the same kind or same family of tree, the Ares tree, to replace the fallen sycamore tree. It's just amazing. That is an amazing air quotes coincidence
1: yeah isn't that a coincidence yeah. so at some point this gets to the place where you go either this was all coincidental it was just all weird it's a great story right jonathan wrote a great book or it gets to be significant
0: well and isaiah wrote a great book too yeah absolutely <laughs> isaiah absolutely uh, and that's the kinda- sycamore trees have been cut down the next verse is but we will plant cedar in their place Yep. Really Isaiah yep. said that the 25, 3,000 year 100 years yeah. ago right crazy that they planted the same kind of tree. the sign of a nation's false hope and defiance before God was to replant that tree, that kind of tree back in its place and they called it the tree of hope. Now a funny thing about the tree of hope
1: that was planted. At ground zero.
0: Yes. In the same location that the sycamore tree was. Not only did they replace the tree, but they put it in the same place.
1: Same corner. Northeast
0: corner. Yep. The same corner. And that tree survived mm, a few years is all. Yeah. Not many. Not many. That tree of hope has perished. It's been uprooted just like other prophecies in Isaiah talk about. That well, is also a sign in itself that God is saying no to our defiance toward Him.
1: Yeah, if you're not going to listen to me the first time, okay, I've already knocked the buildings down. I've knocked the walls down. All right, what else do I have to? Now you're going to plant a tree and act like it's all good, right? You, right? You're going to say you're going to def- be in defiance. You know, okay, so COVID came, and so now all you guys want to talk about is is COVID. You want to talk about vaccines. Now you want to talk about boosters. What are you going to talk about me? Right, right. So I tell you what, the boosters aren't going to work, okay?
0: <laughs> and they didn't.
1: Whatever. I'll let you go there. <laughs> but uh, I'm just saying, we we keep changing. Israel did it. You know, I, I think it's in man's nature somehow that we just kind of don't want to talk about the spiritual things because they're too deep. They're over our head, and everybody looks at us like we're crazy, yeah, uh, but I think there's I personally find great peace there, yeah, you know, actually I do too, you know, uh,
0: because I feel like God's in control.
1: You know the more time you spend with God, the more you realize you, you share things with him, you don't just pray about stupid stuff.
0: get personal with him.
1: get personal with him, tell him what you need, tell him what you tell him how you're hurting, tell him what you're looking for, yeah. and he'll speak to you right? As long as you have focused on the relationship, then you're not talking about all the other noise. Right. Where should I plant the tree? It's not about the tree. It wasn't about the bricks either. But I did bring them down to get your attention. It wasn't about the frogs. It wasn't about the locusts. And it wasn't about all the other stuff. You just didn't pay attention until I did a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And then you said, let the people out, let them go. Right. Their God is too big for me. I don't know where to put the frogs. Well, Here's it, a great question for you, Mark. I was thinking about this the other night. I don't know where to we put have, the frogs. I know. You don't know anything <laughs> about frogs. But we do all these archaeology... Uh, uh, the digs. The digs. Thank you. Yeah. Too big a word. I'm really struggling today, guys. I had I, I had some teeth work done, and so I, I feel like I got a chipmunk in my mouth. He's, so he's drooling a little bit, I'm too. doing I'm doing the best. <laughs> You're sick. I'm doing the best I can. But uh, anyway, have we done any digs? By the river Nile, that's discovered hundreds and thousands and millions of locusts, frogs. I I don't know. I don't know if we've ever, if anybody's, we're always looking for a building. We're always looking for a wall. Yeah. Some pottery. They found a lot of those. I'd like to, I'd like somebody to go over there and see if they can't find the frogs. (laughs) I mean, that would pretty much put a settlement on it going, yeah, there's way too many frog skeletons here. Skeletai, whatever. There's too many of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to this have been a, a natural occurrence. This had been something else. Mm-hmm. I just threw that out there.
0: Well, that kind of stuff does happen often. I haven't. I haven't heard about a, a dig that found a bunch of frogs. Probably because they just all died above ground and they decomposed, just like a, anything dies above ground. It just goes away eventually. Want well, their little skelet stay? stay intact. Not if it's above ground. If it if it got buried somehow, then yeah, it would. If it gets fossilized, then yeah, then, then your, okay, your bones turn Whatever. to stone. You're getting
1: too techie on me now.
0: So, the eighth harbinger. We shall discuss after this <clears throat> next break.
1: Welcome back to One Day Closer with Mark and Dave. So, we left off Let's see it. Number seven. The trees. Yeah, we were talking about trees, doing some gardening, things like that. So we are now talking about Harbinger 8, the place of utterance. Place of utterance is about a proclamation from the city's capital. So for Israel, that would have been Samaria. And for the U.S., that would have been Washington, D.C. The vow would give voice to the national spirit, and it would seal the nation's course or fate. And for us, for America, it came in the third year after 9-11. So in November of 2003, the era's tree was lowered into the ground to replace the fallen sycamore. Following 4th of July, 2004, the Gazette stone was placed at ground zero to replace the fallen bricks. So hopefully all this is starting to come together for you. Not just a destruction thing, but now we're, we're doing the rebuild. Three months later... In the nation's capital where the leaders all reside. That's kind of important. It's what the whole place of utterance warning is all about. Because um, the capital represented the nation. That's right. John Edwards was the candidate for the vice president. He spoke at the Congressional Caucus on September eleventh, two 2004, the third anniversary of 9-11. And he said, I quote, Today, on this day of remembrance and mourning, we have the Lord's word to get us through. The bricks have fallen, but we will rebuild with dressed stone. The sycamores have been cut down, but we will put cedars in their place, end quote. He proclaimed Isaiah nine ten. That scripture is known as the prophecy of judgment, right? Yeah. And so some would ask, well, I wonder if he knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> Why what do you would think? you do that? <laughs> I mean, seriously, man. But, you know, the, he, it is what it is.
0: I I doubt that he understood that it was a prophecy. He probably just had one of his uh, staffers look up the word sycamore tree in the Bible, and that's what came up.
1: And they thought, well, <laughs> this will be nice. This is a ni- yeah. look at here. Here's four little verses that'll be really nice. Yeah, this will work real nice here. We will rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> and they really didn't think about what they were doing, which led them, of course, to the prophecy, which is the ninth harbinger. So on September twelfth. 2001, from the Capitol building again, the United States Senate, House of Representatives, convened to issue a joint resolution in response to 9-11. Here, the Senate Majority Leader on Capitol Hill quoted again, Isaiah 9:10 verbatim, unknowingly hmm. aware that he was pronouncing a judgment over America. I'm convinced of that. Yeah. So was Jonathan Kahn, I think, mm-hmm. uh, that the guy didn't have a clue what he was doing. But what was intended to simply be an inspiring little speech, like something that was written by the staffer, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like you just said, yeah, basically was a regurgitation of the words of an ancient vow of Israel, which was now shared and joined and spoken over America. So you have to ask yourself, well, okay, that, that's a great little story. But the question is, what do you do with that? So there's a prophetic connection between Israel and America, similarities, a lot of stuff going on. This book, I think, did a great job of basically doing what we did in Cliff Notes, but did a great job of telling a story Yeah, without it being a Bible story. Yeah. It was more like a mystery drama, spy novel kind of a thing. It yeah. was a great read. And so was the second one, by the way. Uh, so I highly recommend it to anybody that cares about the book. One of the keys that comes out of what do we do with this information is what was expected of, let's call them prophets, Israel's prophets. Like Isaiah. Uh, uh, Like Isaiah and the guys of the Old Testament and stuff. (laughs) They had the guys that put the little spices on the, right? They had had the musicians and they had all all those guys, right? They were all part of the king's court, right? He had his little dancers, his little magicians, and he had his little soothsayers and he had all these people. But then there were real prophets, the holy men. Mm-hmm. That would uh, be called on from time to time to you know interpret a prayer or, or a, I mean a dream, a dream um, right. and, and do whatever. But the prophets for the most part, were there to warn the king when he was doing something wrong. what danger? They mm-hmm. wouldn't go there. This will be interpreted as boom, right? A lot of people were giving counsel to Pharaoh and other people, yeah, during Jesus' time. Nicodemus was one, right? trying to say, you know, hey, I know you guys think this is blasphemy, but Scripture says he does come out of Nazareth.
0: Nazareth, yeah. Right? And um, Jesus did. And, and so
1: you, these these prophets of old were kind of like the watchmen. And their purpose was to warn. So we had prophets back then so that they could warn us and give us instruction and insight. And maybe they'd spend some time with God or whatever. So that God didn't have to actually get involved because once he gets involved, you know, a whole lot of explaining has to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, if you could just listen to the prophet. Get rid of your idols. Turn rid, to God. Yeah, get rid of the idols. Be patient. Quit carving more idols. Yeah. We just left that place, and now you're over there carving a calf? Are you kidding me?
0: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> I haven't even finished the Ten Commandments. You guys are already doing that. But these watchmen... Uh, basically bore a very heavy responsibility before the Lord, right? If a prophet or a watchman failed to warn other people, it failed to warn others uh, as God had anointed them, then his own life, the watchman's, his own life uh, was in danger. And he would be held accountable. Whoa, there's a word we haven't heard in about, oh, I don't know, a couple centuries. Haven't been living it, have we? No. But, you know, so the watchman would be held accountable. Think about that. Our politicians aren't being held accountable. So, they're obviously, they're not watchmen. Obviously, right. Right? They're still around. So, because this verse, Ezekiel 33, 2 through 6, basically says that a watchman has a great deal of responsibility. That his own life will be in danger if he doesn't, uh, because he's, his blood will be on his hands, basically, is the way that works. Mm-hmm. right? He's held accountable. So, picture a watchman. Not a prophet. Pick a watchman on the wall. Okay, and he's supposed. His job is to go. Oh, looks like a good day today. It's going to be sunny. Partly, you know, later it'll be partly cloudy. We might get some rain. No, or or (laughs) there's Assyrians coming over the wall. (laughs) Yes, right. I mean, he's supposed to warn everybody, because if he doesn't, everybody just goes about their business, not paying any attention. They get caught off guard. They got caught off guard, and it's his fault. He was supposed to warn them to get ready, you know, do whatever. But if the watchman sounds the horn and people don't listen, blood is not on his hands. Not on the watchman. It says it clearly in Ezekiel. All good. Yep. It's not on, the blood's not. But if he doesn't, if he sees something and doesn't say something to warn the people, then he is accountable. And so that's kind of why we started this whole broadcasting thing in the first place is that we were starting to get wind of election things and politics and the bible and script you know spiritual stuff and started to realize wow there's a lot of people that need to hear this right there's a lot of you know and so we figured out how should we do that i mean the end of the day that's how i started this whole study on on the on the harbinger right mm-hmm. i read the book and i went to you and i said geez you need to read the book you read the book we both read the second book and i said you know the guys will never read a book
0: yeah, you know, most our, people don't. The, the no. men's
1: group, you know, I mean, I, I'm an author. I know how many people read my book. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think my wife did. I'm not sure, but you know, we just figured who's got time to read a book. But so we decided we'll script it out. We'll kind of come up with some cliff notes, not try to sell the whole book or tell the whole story, but just give people the highlights, especially Christians, right? Believers,
0: All right. Trying to and, be the watchman for them. Just as Jonathan Cahn was the watchman when he actually wrote the book. That's exactly right.
1: And we actually took this to a whole host of different men's groups. It was amazing how few people really wanted to let a couple of strangers in to talk to them about something that they should care about. It was kind of depressing uh, that, you know, people just didn't want to hear about it. And so we kind of figured, well, (laughs) if we do this broadcast, we ought to put it on the broadcast. And we're doing it after the elections right right because we don't care about the elections i mean we do don't get me wrong we do but but like right now is you know it's time to say okay we don't even know what the results are because we're recording before the results are are in right um but there's more important things there are other important things that we need to be focused on um and so how is all this relatable today It's not a a rhetorical question. This is a question that each and every person that actually listens to this whole program, you're going to have to wrestle with this now because now you're accountable. You're the watchman, yeah. You're the watchman. Whether you decide to do it or not, not my deal. Yeah. I was simply supposed to share, we were supposed to share what the role is and now that you know what the role is, if you want to do something about it talking about america for a minute the absence of america as a once superpower which i think we can all agree we're not the superpower we used to be
0: not with the yeah yeah you know agree. from a,
1: from from a biblical prophetic point of view to the world where basically america no longer leads we think we do we talk a big game but we don't really lead heads of nations i think when trump was there you physically saw him lead yeah, you know. <laughs> remember when he was coming down the walkway, and he was like three rows back. Yeah, from the, and he just kind of worked his way through the program, he pushes his way up to the you front. Know, that's okay. He's the man. <laughs> I'm in charge. I'm the head of it. You know, I I thought that was great. So we should we should lead. Where are we on time, Mark?
0: We could wrap it up right now and uh, go to the next segment here, where we're going to talk more about being the Watchman.
1: Yeah, this next section is going to be big. So stick around. Everybody needs hope Some kind of peace
0: of mind That they can call their own And everybody needs love Just a little trust
1: Cause sometimes even